gosh, I, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the score, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. All right, everybody, we are blessed with the great Frank the Tort Life in front of me. And uh, <laughs> even the greater, uh, Kevin Owens with uh, Fieldcraft Survival. Uh, Kevin, I I truly say it's an honor to have you on the podcast, man. You are a stud. I've, I've looked up to, to what you've done uh, for this country for a long time, man. Thank you for coming on. Hey, Aaron. Great to be here. Hey, Frank. Uh, great to meet you on the, online, at least. <laughs> yeah, good to meet you as well. Thanks for coming on. Uh yeah. yeah, obviously, if people haven't picked it up in a short period of time, Kevin is from Ireland originally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why don't Kevin? You want to give everybody your your background? I would screw it up because it's a lot of background to go over. Yeah, um, it is a lot. I'm trying to give you the cliff notes, but uh, I, I, I'm an American. People are like, "Are you Irish?" I'm an American, true and true, right? But I did grow up in a farm country. I grew up in Ireland, lived there uh, till I was 25. Uh, kind of grew up poor. Grew up hunting a small game, rabbits, pheasants. Actually, you'll get a kick out of this, Aaron. I grew up hunting with a ferret. We used to take ferrets and stick them down the burrows of the rabbits. And when the rabbit would come out, come running out because it's scared of this of this weird creature in their uh, burrow, then we shoot him with a shotgun, or we block <laughs> the burrow with uh, netting and scoop the rabbit up. But it was all food. It was all we grew up uh, pretty poor. Uh, big family. Uh, 14 kids, plus parents, um, pretty, uh, are there Mormons in Ireland? So, Jesus, 14. Nah, <laughs> they're Catholic. <laughs> they're Catholic. That's what it is. Um, and people are like, oh my God, it must've been rough to grow up in a house at 14. It's not because that's all you know, right? If that's all you know, then that's just normal. Would I like to go back to that now? Heck no. Uh, I have four kids now, so that doesn't seem like a lot, but, uh, we're pretty poor. Went to the army. Uh, in Ireland in uh, 1985 as a young man coming out of high school. And, and back then, the whole country was really, really heavily involved in the uh, the whole Northern Ireland conflict. People don't like to call it a war, but uh, that, that, that... So I went in the army in the south of Ireland. So I'm from just south of the border on the east coast of Ireland. I uh, went in the army, went in the infantry for like two years and then went to special operations. And uh, went to the uh, hostage rescue unit in Ireland and became a sniper, among other things. So then I got a little, uh, got a little antsy later on. Got out, did some contract work in Africa, like uh, a lot of ex-military do. And then I uh, was lucky enough to get a, a green card to come in and live and work in the United States legally, and uh, that completely changed my ma- changed my world uh, for the better. Um, came to the States in 19, oh good lord, 95, I think, and, uh, went in the army, the U.S. Army, as a private, even though I had all this background, I went in the U.S. Army as a private in 96, and then because I, I, I wasn't a U.S. citizen, I was allowed to join with a, a green card. It took me a couple of years to get citizenship, so I had to spend six years in the infantry, and then I went to Special Forces, and I spent 18 years in Special Forces uh, as a Green Beret, and then I retired last year, um, about a year ago. And, and during that time, I was fortunate enough to work, at, to go to a lot of schools, one of which was Sniper School, Special Forces Sniper, uh, of course, which is a nine-week school. And then I was fortunate enough to, to 
become an instructor there for three years to include running that school and uh, among other things. But that's the uh, that's the, the fast and furious cliff notes. It's, it's been a long road. But uh, here we are now. I'm, I'm an instructor and I'm running a, a, an operation in North Carolina for field crops for battle. Gotcha. So you um, you've just moved back to to North Carolina and you have a actually a hunting course uh, coming up, which I wanted to make sure and talk about because I, I I think that um, people maybe uh, you know a lot of a lot of guys like to hook the hit the easy button and uh, maybe you know leave out some of the more important things like everybody wants to talk about what ballistic coefficient that things like that that are important but a lot of people skip the land nav and the first aid and and some of the other things that aren't quite as exciting but are the ones that actually will save your life your ballistic coefficient mm-hmm. shooting at a deer is not going to save your life um, they don't shoot back so <laughs> what are you covering in that yeah. course when is that course so, uh, kind of go over that uh, just so people know where they can sign up for it yeah um you know, when I got back here, I wanted to do some stuff that's just a little different. There's a lot of tactical training companies, around, especially around here. So I wanted to kind of delve into stuff that I, I, I saw a need for and combine skill sets together. So I put up this hunter preparation course, and it's um, August 14th and 15th, and it's here in Aberdeen, North Carolina. It's actually in two places, but they're very close. Um, it's a two-day course, and it kind of covers stuff like my own... My own grandfather was shot in the head by a hunter in Ireland years and years ago who mistook him for a rabbit. Now, how do you mistake a grown man for a rabbit? I don't know, uh, but it does happen. So pe- people look at, oh, hunter prep. Well, I already did a hunter safety course, and I'm safe with weapons. I'm sure you are. But there's a lot of people out there who do not target ID and who do uh, make mistakes, right? So it, it covers four different things in a two-day period. And it's not all me. I have some special operations guys who are medics, and I have a bunch of guys coming in to help me out, survival experts. So um, the first part I would talk about is uh, uh, medical training. So you're out in the woods. Uh, I'm going to bring a special forces medic in, and I'm going to talk about gunshot wounds, right? If you shoot yourself or somebody shoots you in the wood line because you're way back there, off the grid, right? That's the whole point. Um, if you take a run in a certain places, like your, your leg, your femoral artery, you are going to die. Unless you know how to apply a tourniquet and stop the bleeding and medevac yourself, right? So this has happened. And, uh, you know, people would be like, oh, I'd never be that, that stupid to shoot myself. But the number one cause of ac- hunting accidents, at least in North Carolina, is people falling out of tree stands. So um, stuff does happen. I've seen... Very, very, very experienced special operations guys have negative discharges. Um, so Frank has those every night. Not, <laughs> That's a different kind of decision. Yeah, it, it, it may not be you. It may not be. It may be somebody else. So the medical portion for like half a day will cover uh, gunshot wounds, first aid, how to apply a tourniquet, how to um, the um, the how to. Uh, Explain the leg, how to make an improvised stretcher to get you out of there, that type of stuff. Very, very geared towards hunting. Uh, the second part is survival. So it's not like crazy survival. It's just in the scenario that, okay, I shot a deer. Um, I tried to track him, but now I'm disoriented and I don't know where I am. And I got to spend the night in the wood line. Okay. First off, what should I carry? And then how to set up a, a shelter, how to procure water, and how to start a fire. Simple things like that. 
that might save your life or at least save your comfort, okay? Um, and then we would talk about what to bring as, as like a little survival kit that will fit in a pouch that will make life a whole lot easier. The, the third part is like ballistics and scope and how to mount your scope, how to zero your rifle, and then talk about non-standard firing positions. People will lay on their belly all day long and shoot guns and high-five and put it on the, on, on the Instagram, right? But if you don't know how to shoot off a pack while hunting, if you don't know how to shoot off a, you know, propped against a tree, then, then uh, that, that, both in hunting and, bo- and in combat, that prone, supported, um, steady, secure, durable firing position on your belly is almost non-existent, okay, or very rare. So we do that. And then the last part is navigation. And navigation is a big subject, so I don't have time to get into it all, but I'll teach you how to use a compass. I'll teach you how to use a GPS. And then, like, certain apps on your phone that are really good, like Onyx Hunt, we'll go through that and, and show you how to use that so hopefully you don't get lost. So that's the course. It's two days, uh, mostly classroom. And, uh, yeah, it's in, uh, like I said, 14, 15 August. Gotcha. So I want to make sure and, and make this as clear as I possibly can because um, my, uh, at the risk of sounding like a total dick, my... my um, platform is is larger than than kevin's in the hunting world and i have had people message Mm -hmm. me is this class worth going to and i'm like kevin is the fucking guy that taught me this shit so yes it is worth (laughs) people like now when i say that meaning kevin didn't teach me stalking or or how to tune a bow but and i and i say that meaning kevin didn't actually i didn't actually go to one of kevin's courses guys like kevin taught me land navigation taught me survival so yes it is it is very important to go to the class because that's Kevin is the type of guy that was my instructor that was smacking me in the back of the head when I wasn't finding my, my five out of seven points at night and teaching me how to do that. And so sometimes things get lost in, in translation on, on social media because someone doesn't maybe have a as large of a platform or, or notoriety. The, the things I'm teaching in the backcountry courses I do are the things I learned from gentlemen like Kevin. And so you're going to learn the same things that you would learn from my courses from the guys I learned from. So definitely go to the course. I mean, anybody within, I would say, you know, six hours that's hunting should be going to this course because you can go to a pro shop and learn to tune a bow. You can go to a rifle range and learn to mount a scope, which you probably will learn at Kevin's course as well. What you can't Mm -hmm. learn at those is literally how to stay alive. You're not going to learn to read a 10-digit UTM or MGRS grid. You're not going to learn contour interval, terrain association. I don't know how in-depth of medical stuff you're going into, but you certainly have the people at a high capability to teach very in-depth medical training at these courses. And so I, I don't want it to be overlooked. Kevin is the type of guy that taught me what I know. So just because he doesn't have 100,000 followers, he's forgotten more than I know about this subject matter. And I want to pound that into people's head because in social media, if you don't have 100,000 followers, you're an idiot. Where mm-hmm. Kevin, mm-hmm. you obviously have taught most of the people teaching this shit. So uh, it's, it's very yeah. important for people to know that. So with some of the stuff in the course, the way that I teach, because I'm kind of teaching people drinking through a fire hose a little bit on land nav. Um, I go through the basics of declination diagram, contour interval, all the primary stuff on the map. And then I teach, um, you know, your basic terrain features using your fist, terrain association, intersection, resection, 
all that type of stuff. Are you going to be covering those in that class where they'll have a basic idea and how to read a UTM grid or an MGRS grid? Yeah, I, I do a, a full day land nav class already. Um, so I, with half a day, I, I, can, I can really pick and choose what I do. I think it's important to overview the map and look at what you're looking, kind of understand what you're looking at. And people can get that very, very quickly. I think the, uh, the GPS thing, people were like, I don't need a map. I have a GPS. Okay, well, GPSs don't work everywhere. And when it spits out that 10-digit grid, do you really know what that means? And uh, do you really know how to apply that to a map, right? So um, map and compass is absolutely critical skill set. And I actually love teaching it because it's, it's somewhat old school. But it's uh, it, it's so critical. So I will I will kind of base the instruction on the class, and I, I you know I put hours I put uh, you know nine to four each day, but I'll stay there as long as possible. I, I, if people want to stay longer and get deeper into it, um, I'm a bit of a workaholic and I drink a lot of caffeine, so I'm good staying there as long as people need me to stay there. But I'll give you the two tools. I'll show you where to go to get the map you need for the area you're in. And what what features you need, and then then we'll hit we'll hit apps and GPS as well. So it, it's kind of an overview that, but you you'll definitely learn a lot. And I'll give you some resources to to follow up if you need that too. Yeah, and and that sounds kind of the basic way that that we do ours. And the the one thing that people need to understand, and, and when I when I started my last class, which I'm sure everybody in the in the class thought I was an asshole. I had everybody stand up that had base map or Onyx, and then I had them stand up again if they had a watch that had a GPS, and then I had them stand up if they had an inReach that had a GPS, and then I had them stand up if they had a GPS, and then I had them stand up if they knew how to use all those things. Not one person stood up. Mm-hmm. So you well, have people, all... People have those things. Yeah. No, I'm no, sorry. go ahead. I just said people, people have equipment sometimes. And it, they have it for peace of mind, right? Like a lot of people driving around with a medical kit in their car, they don't even know what's in it, right? They, they don't have those skills. They're like, well, I'm, I have a GPS, so I'm good. Until uh, you actually need that thing and you really... But there, there's simple procedures like having uh, an emergency azimuth, right? If I'm up on this ridge line and the weather comes in and now I'm completely lost, then I have this emergency azimuth will take me downhill hit water and get down into civilization really, really quickly, right? And it's just having some of those contingency plans uh, from a, a map reconnaissance ready to go if the weather hits. Like if the weather's beautiful and you can see in all the rest, great. But up in those high elevations especially, that, the weather will change quickly. And uh, it's just having some of those contingencies in place to make good decisions. Right. And I mean, what you'll teach in that course is... I would imagine some handrails, backstop, or catching features when yep. you're doing your route planning. And these are things that mm-hmm. people overlook or don't think about, and, it, and it's a hindrance. Anytime that fear comes into the ball game, meaning you're afraid of getting lost or afraid of a storm or afraid of physical fitness, the distance, um, I don't know, Frank, afraid you won't find water, um, the, the farther you're willing to go is generally because your skill set has increased – this class you're teaching is going to increase that skill set to allow you to stay longer, go farther, and be safer while you're back there. And again, I think people, you know, people spend twelve hundred bucks. Well, shit, now two grand on a bow every year, but God forbid they learn land mm-hmm. nav and, and and any kind of a medical training. Mm-hmm. So, please, everyone, go to this course. It will be very well worth your while, and you are learning from one of the well. 
talk about your shooting pedigree. What I mean, just that alone. I mean, doesn't have anything to do with land nav, but uh, shooting wise, weren't you number one in the world at one point? <laughs> no, I, I don't like talking about myself. I'm, I'm European. I know that's I, what I'm I, fucking I, asking I you. So I, talk I, about I, it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, was very fortunate that I, I went to sniper school in Ireland in 1988, like, right? And then I went to the U.S. Army Special Forces Sniper School, and I went to a sniper team in Special Forces, which there's only one company that has actual sniper teams. Anyway, um, I was very fortunate to come up on orders to be an instructor at sniper school for three years, right? So that's three years of looking through a spot and scope. That's three years of shooting every day. That's access to unlimited ammo and unlimited range time for three years. And then I ran that school for a year where I made the decision to whether it's so um, when you have that kind of immersion um, and, and some people don't take advantage of it. I took advantage of it. I shot a lot. I shot a lot of competitions. Um, I won the international sniper competition for, for a military sniper competition. Um, I, I, my, the, my sniper partner, and, and and myself, we we won a lot of competitions, and that 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 kid who was my sniper partner is now running Special Forces Sniper School, right? So I I I, I don't think I have any raw talent like you have with a bow there, Aaron. I think I just in the right place at the right time, and if you send enough bullets on range, and you have the right atmosphere and the right drive, you can become very very good. And at a time, I was very, very good with a rifle, but I learned how to teach, and I learned what's important and what's not as, as important. But I, I, I was in the right place at the right time, so I, I got to shoot a lot of competitions while I was an instructor, and I was in between going to war, and that, that did help me a lot. So it, it, it's like you said with the um, uh, people want to do all this high-end stuff, but like when I teach long-range shooting stuff, I teach people a thousand and in, you know? And, and everything's important, right? But some things are more important than others. If you can't make a wind call, then don't worry about Coriolis, right? Don't worry about the rotation of the air. <laughs> uh, you're gonna miss. You're gonna miss a hundred times for wind before you miss once for Coriolis, right? So, I, I have programs that will show you exactly what the standard deviation of your bullet will do, with all that stuff, and it's educational, so you know how to make good decisions when you do go buy a rifle, right? And uh, but I, I was in the right place at the right time. I, I've been around shooting and long-range shooting for a very long time, and I've trained a lot of people. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's my pedigree. So, uh, Frank, you got anything for him? <clears throat> well, uh, I saw that you posted about this, and you mentioned it a little bit uh, a little bit into uh, when you first started talking. Um, the non-standard firing positions, I think that's definitely a huge one for for hunting um, certainly for my yeah, wife <laughs> yeah i mean uh, uh like yeah. you said it's pretty it's pretty simpler it's a lot easier to uh shoot off your belly prone off a bipod but um a lot of times or i'd say most of the time when in hunting situations unless you're set up on a glassing position or something you don't you don't have the opportunity to shoot off of a off of a bipod or prone off of a pack and i think that non-standard firing position mm -hmm. um portion of your class could yep. be crucial to a lot of guys and i i think i could use it um especially i'd be that'd be awesome one thing like with yeah Amy, I, I remember i go ahead sorry uh, i remember sitting on a roof in baghdad on uh on a rooftop with a sniper rifle and taking my helmet off and putting it down so i could sit on it and i could sit behind <laughs> it because i could not get a comfortable position you know that's because so you're five six combat 
Hey, 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 high angle position, right? And I popped up on a rock and I'm shooting up at an extreme angle up this mountain. And I, I, uh, I built a lot of ballistic classes when I worked at sniper school and they still use them. And a buddy of mine went to school recently and he was like, yeah, the guy who teaches this now, he's like 6'3 or something, right? And he said, the picture of me came up and I'm shooting up this extreme angle and he said, anybody know this little Irish guy? And uh, he's like, all shots for him were high angle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, that's a good one. It's it's a uh, it's a good when you talk. Um, Amy and I, when we were hunting antelope last year, Amy had never, my wife had never shot a rifle before. So I did some, you know, coaching the few days before at the house. Um, you know, just standard safety and, and, you know, a few different things, but certainly not. And, I, and I'm not the guy to be teaching any kind of firearm kind of safety or anything anyway. But one of the things that happened, we were, what, tw- probably 20 yards from a fence. And I sprinted forward and said, we got to get to the fence. And she's like, why? I said, so we can rest the gun on it. And and she didn't even, you know, knew she didn't really think about that. And I'm like, honey, uh, anytime we can get, you know, that, that, that stock on something stable, you're a hundred times better mm-hmm. than, you know, plus, you know, the bipod wasn't that tall, so it's not like we could see over the grass. So we sprinted forward and, you know, we got home, we talked about that a little bit more depth, like having a pack, resting off a pack. And, uh, it's that something people don't really think about until they're put in that position. And that position can be the matter of getting an animal or not, because they're not ready to take what's around them and put it to the best use. Yeah, and, and you're, you're, I mean, most hunters are not shooting, like, super long range, but there's enough variables in your shot that you don't need an unstable position to be one of them, right? So if you can just pull a pack in and, and, and go to sitting or, you know, drop on your left knee and put your elbow on your right knee, and it's all about points of contact with something solid. Um, it will make it make all the difference in the world. And you want to punch that animal in the right place so so they die quickly and you don't wound it and it runs away and, and in pain, right? So um, just having a couple of those little principles in your head will make all the difference for, for, for any kind of distance yeah, shooting. Do you, uh, do you rec- so this is something that I think that's kind of goes back and forth between who you ask and I don't know if it's controversial or not, but people, uh, I see certain people post that, that you should have a bipod on your rifle and some say shooting off of a pack is plenty sufficient. But I, sometimes I just, I, I'll look at like videos on YouTube of, of certain hunts and a lot of like sheep hunters and stuff. I know they're trying to cut weight, but they always, almost always end up taking the shot prone and they're shooting off of a pack where I'm thinking, I think I'd rather be shooting off a bipod. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think about that? Absolutely. I'd rather, bipods are made for, for that solid, stable, durable position, right? I'd always want to shoot off a bipod but i'd always be proficient at shooting off a pack so, like i i really like i love people who say oh you always do this or you never do this there's no such thing as never and there's no such thing as always that there's so many variables in in all these things but i i would i mean i, I always shoot off thrown uh off a bipod and i build that position as solid as i can to zero and to gather data right other than that, I'm shooting off a pack, I'm shooting off a knee, I'm shooting off a sitting, a sitting position, um, because I know that if I can hit that 800-yard that shot, that 1,000-yard shot, 
from a sitting position, I can hit it from my belly all day long. So I don't need to practice that, right? Um, but I would always shoot off a bipod, but I would always be trained and ready to shoot off a pack. Gotcha. Now, um, mm-hmm. I know that uh, nothing really can replace shooting live ammunition uh, during practice, but that seems to be uh, something that's hard to get nowadays is, is ammunition. Do you go over kind of uh, fundamentals of training that you can do without shooting, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I'd always go over, like, dry fire is great, right? I, I mean, uh, back in the day when I really had no money, I, I uh, used to dry fire my fist all the time watching TV. Um, but dry fire, sitting in that steady position and building up that position, um, you can do it at home, right? You can do that at home. There are little computer programs for ballistics that I've worked with before, and I'm actually trying to get one made now where you can run uh, the ballistics on your uh your gun um, in, in a, like a little simulator type thing just so you can learn uh, holes and all that kind of stuff. And then if you don't, if you're going to be shooting any kind of long range at all, you need a Kestrel ballistic calculator. A Kestrel ballistic calculator is a fantastic piece of kit. It's very intimidating for people initially because there's so many features. But once you learn it, it's a very educational tool, right? You can, you can look at well, you know, I don't know if this will do this at this range. Let me look at, and then you can punch that in there. Like a great example, like I remember when they came out first, people would say, well, a 308 won't kill a man at a mile, right? And I say a man because I was in the military, but because people were looking at foot pounds, it was all theory, but then the ballistic calculator came out and you can put a target in there and build your 308 and, and put a mile shot. And if you look at the remaining velocity, that bullet's going like 900 feet per second at a mile. That's like a 1911 coming out of the pipe, and it's pointy, and it's going to hurt, right? So that, 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 shot, that, that, that shot that theory, right? If you get shot at 900 feet per second, uh, you're, yeah, it is going to kill you. It's all shot placement, of course, but it took a lot of theory out. But the ballistic calculator is a fantastic um, piece of equipment and, and very educational. So I, I would encourage people to, get to, to buy one of those if they can. And we have a code, actually, with Kestrel. Uh, Fieldcraft and the code is uh, KB, uh, like Kilo Bravo, like Kestro Ballistics 15 FC Fieldcraft. So it's KB 15 FC, and that'll get you 15% off on on Kestro's website, and it's about 100 bucks off, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there a specific model that you suggest? Because I know that they have, um, you know, super yeah. high-end models. Or yeah, yeah, I like the 5700 Elite with applied ballistics, and that's the high-end model, but it gives you all the custom drag models that are very accurate. So you, you have G1 and G7 drag models, which are kind of predictive, and then you have a custom drag model for your bullet, and they have a massive bullet library in there, and um, it, it's a uh, track, 2,000-yard uh, track Doppler radar flight pattern that's super accurate. So that, that's the one I like, and it's always getting updated, so that's the one I would recommend, the uh, 5700 Elite with Applied Ballistics. Awesome. Um, so now this is something that's talked about a lot. And do you go over uh, caliber choices? And it sounds like you go over a lot of ballistic stuff. This is something that you could probably talk about all day long for, for hunting and tactical I shooting could. and long-range shooting. Yeah. So what, what part of the course yeah. goes over that and, and uh, what suggestions well, I, you have I there? Well, I do that in my yeah. – yeah, I do that on my two-day course. Um, I, I don't know how much time I'll have to do that in the hunter prep course, but 
you know, people will hit me up on Instagram to be like, hey, what about this 382 Whizbang? Like, there's so many cartridges out there, but I have absolutely no problem saying I have never even heard of that. You know what I mean? Because there's hundreds of different things out there. So I, I can say I've, I've a good, solid understanding of ballistics, so I can look at the, the ballistic coefficient, I can look at the muzzle velocity and the weight of the projectile, and I can tell you what it will do, but there's so many cartridges out there. And then depending on what you're hunting, everything is a little different, right? Everything, some things work great for small game, and they don't work for bigger game. But once you understand that the, the, the principle of muzzle velocity and retained energy and the and, and, uh, ballistic coefficient, you can kind of apply that and understand um, what, what a good round uh, would do uh, for, for, you know, both for, for external ballistics and flight pattern, but also for terminal ballistics when it hits soft tissue. Gotcha. So, I, one of our buddies is a huge fan of the 6.5 Creed, <laughs> Creedmoor. His name's Ryan Avery. What are your thoughts yeah, there? You, you want to know what's crazy? <laughs> is, uh, he and Ryan Avery went through basic training together. Oh, really? I don't know that. Uh, do you remember the, him? The, Short, fat guy? No, he I'm probably wasn't fat at the <laughs> yeah. time. But uh, do you remember Ryan Avery by really? chance? He, I don't. He, uh, well, I've, I've, yeah. your accent is very if easy to him. pick out. Right, so you probably wouldn't remember yeah, Ryan as yeah. easy. He picked you out. He goes, yeah. he said, "I went through basic yeah. training with that peckerhead," and I was like, "No, no shit." Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I was older than everybody else too, because I was like twenty nine, but everybody else was like eighteen, and they all call me pop in basic training, right? Which is which is funny, right? Because I'd already been through training and special operations in Ireland before I came over. So, um, yeah, that, that's funny. I don't know if I saw space, I might. I'm better with faces. Name. Probably not now because uh, his face is about twice the size as it was back then. He's a fat really, fucker yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> but this Creedmoor is a fantastic round, right? And you get you get these uh, guys who love the 308 and they're, they're tied to the 308. The 308 is an old round from the 50s, right? The 6.5 Creedmoor has come along with it. Now, uh, we were uh, changing because I worked for modernization and special operations. I actually ran that office for about five years before I retired. And we were trying to change the sniper support weapon. So we, we moved to the, uh, the advanced sniper rifle, which is the Barrett M ride. And that's a three caliber system. It's 308, uh, 300 Norman Magnum and 338 Norman Magnum, right? So that's the shooter's gun. That's your 1500 meter long range gun. Well, the spotter's gun or the, 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 the uh, is usually a gas gun. So we had 308 and we did all the analysis. Now, when I say we did analysis, we did analysis for years, right? Because when you put stuff in the hands of, of a soldier, you, you ha it can't fail, right? Or people die. So uh, we did everything. And we, we, we tested every bullet, on the every 6.5 bullet on the market, 22 different, caliber, 22 different cartridges. We put them through this Doppler radar test, uh, really analyzed them. Then we took the top 10, I think, and we took them into terminal effects um, testing. and the bullet we came up with was a 130 grain burger hybrid at high muzzle velocity, high ballistic coefficient. There's a balance, right? Least, the ballistic coefficient is basically a measurement of how, how efficiently the bullet flies through the air, right? Now, a high BC bullet, usually heavier bullets have a better BC, but they're slower because the muzzle velocity is lower because you can only push them so fast, right? Physics gets in the way, right? So a, a 130 grain burger hybrid, uh, Hybrid was, was kind of that sweet spot. Very high ballistic coefficient, very uh, 
very high muzzle velocity and then really good terminal effects when it hit the target, right? So that's kind of the trifecta we're looking for. So that is not based on my opinion. That's based on about three years of testing at SOCOM when we come up with that bullet, right? So th that's kind of where the sweet spot is. Now, if you don't have a long enough barrel to get the, the advantage of the muzzle velocity, uh, you're not, it's not going to be as good. But when you run all the ballistics between a 308 and a 65, um, it, it, it's, it's phenomenally better. Like, you, you look at a 130-grade burger, right? You would think a heavier bullet has better terminal effects on target, but the, the, the 175 grain 308, beyond 600 yards, the 130 actually hits harder because the, the, the ballistic coefficient is so high, it bleeds less energy in flight. So the 175 grain uh, 118LR 308 that we've been using for decades in the US military, that, that loses so much energy in flight because it's just, it, it's an old, heavier round that doesn't fly very well. So the 6.5 Creedmoor, anybody who asks me, hey, I want to get into long-range shooting, what's your recommendation? 6.5 Creedmoor. It's a phenomenal run. It we, really is. Jesus. And I would, I would, I would, <laughs> that is like what? the most made fun. Oh, now keep in mind, I don't give it, I have a 6.5 PRC. Um, it is funny yep. because yep. once something gets popular, it immediately gets shit on and that became the oh, man yeah. bun mm -hmm. round of the outdoor community. Like if you're wearing plaid with uh, beard oil, you probably shoot a six five yeah. Creed more. That that's why. That's why I made that comment. <laughs> I didn't know that. But here's the thing, Aaron, right? Like I've had people I've had people argue with me online about three oh eight this and that. Well, your their their opinion is an opinion and you're entitled to it. My opinion is based on data and science and testing and testing and that testing. That sounds a lot like yeah. COVID nineteen. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> uh, well, I think that that is part of the problem with the internet is you take a guy with your background and, and um, you know, which is in depth as you can get for the most part. God forbid you listen to Kevin, listen to some 27 year old <laughs> kid that's, you know, shot a couple of those yeah. and went hunting out West once. Like you've got years and years behind it. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't have a dog. I'm a bow hunter, right? They built me a six, five mm -hmm. PRC. It's killed everything I've shot at. I don't even use That's a great run too. the yep. ballistic. I don't mm -hmm. even use the turrets. I just get closer or hold over and hope for the best. But when you start talking about like with, with long distance, I asked John Pinch, he's a, he's a long range shooter. I was like, Hey man, what caliber should I get? You know, uh, for, you know, just going to grab a gun and what, and he's like, what distance? I said, I don't know, 500 and in. And he started laughing. He's like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, what? And he mm -hmm. goes, well, within parameters, 500 is not far. So, you know, especially with most of them are in 350 yards, just about anything within reason yeah. will get the job done. Kind of what are your feelings on that for most hunters, 400 and in, what caliber should they get? Mm -hmm. I get something fast, like like a seven millimeter, something like that, because the faster the bullet goes, you can just hold crosshairs out to 400 and crush it, right? Depending on where you zero, right? So um, a very fast bullet like that, it flies flatter. It's more forgiving with ranging errors. If you do, you know, hit it with a range fire and hit the bank behind it accidentally, it's more forgiving because the bullet is flying so flatly as opposed to like this big arc that, you, that was the traditional thing, it's way more forgiving. Um, something like 7mm would be awesome. Uh, 6.5 PRC, 6.5 Creedmoor are great bullets for anything like that. 
and you will crush anything within 400. They buck the wind better because they're faster. They're in the air a lot less time, and the wind has less time to affect them and push them off target, you know? Um, so that's what I would go, something like that. So the the next question, which, uh, yeah, again, that the, the 6.5 PRC I have is literally just a guide gun for the 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 bow hunter who's like fuck it I can't get it done I can't get it done they I got a gun that they can get it done with um, if we've got mm-hmm. a wounded one I can put a round in it I shoot it real well offhand uh, it's very the the, mm-hmm. the stock collapses I can get it in a pack and it's a very I guess a utilitarian tool right it's it's an all around yeah. hammer for me when we start talking now I am way over scoped on that thing what would you suggest mm-hmm. for most guys scope wise going in and I'm not talking like you know, dropping mule deer at a thousand yards, like the 400 and in, what scope would you suggest? What brands would you have good luck with? Would you have bad luck with? Magnification, things like that. Oh, and here's a big one. MOA versus yeah. MO. Oh, sweet Jesus. Let's, Don't even bring let's that open up. up. Yeah. Let's do it all. So minutes of, uh, I mean, minutes of angle and mill rides, it doesn't matter. They're just units of measurement. They get bigger as you go out, right? But just make sure your turret and your reticle match, right? Uh, when I went to sniper school, we had a freaking mill ride turret with minute of angle adjustment. Uh, a middle rod reticle with minute of angle adjustments on the turret. So whatever you go, it makes sure they're the same. Minute of angle on the turret, minute of angle reticle, and vice versa, right? Just, just that's, that's one thing. So um, I would go, and again, I'm addicted to freaking magnification. I have, I have a knife force scope that's 7 to 35 power. <laughs> it's awesome, right? Um, but I, you don't have to shoot on those high mags. You can pull it back down because... With those high magnification, you get a lot of mirage. You get a lot of that, that you know, heat off the barrel, if, especially if you have the suppressor. But you can target ID very, very effectively with a high-powered scope and then back it down to take your shot. So if you're shooting like 400 in, I mean, a 10-power scope will get it done. I would look at 4 to 16, honestly. Uh, 4 on the low end, 16 on the high end. It makes the scope shorter, more compact, a little lighter. Uh, people have, like, I have a 300 wind mag, but that's 75, 7 to 35 power night for. That thing's a truck axle. I would never take that hunting. I would freaking have to get search and rescue to come out and rescue me because it weighs like 20 pounds. So you're looking for a light rifle, like you were saying, um, Aaron, you can fold it, put it in the back. But I think 4 to 16 is a really good interim place. Um, I, I will tell you, I mean, this is, again, not even an opinion because we've tested them all. Nightforce are the top scope company in the United States right now, but they're very pricey. And not everybody can afford Nightforce, right? Um, Vortex are really, really good. And what I like about um, Vortex is they have very high end, and they have very low end, and they have middle end. So they, they kind of have a, a price point for everyone. Um, I, I would go with a simple reticle. If you're, if you're, people want the, like BDC reticles, bullet drop compensated reticle. Well, that, that BDC only works at that density altitude with that bullet it was built for. Anywhere else, like if you go to elevation, those ranges on your BDC are going to be off. Go with a simple mill reticle go, or a minute of angle reticle that you can dial because you're not shooting that far, right? But I would say night force on the high end and I would say vortex on the, on the, yeah, middle to lower end. And Vortex, I don't know if Nightforce have this. I should find out. But Vortex have a lifetime warranty on their stuff. And uh, they're, 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 they're very good customer service. If you break that thing, they'll, they'll replace it for you, which is, which is good peace of mind to know. 
Um, so you mentioned uh, the folding stocks and the the chassis and stuff like that, and it seems like um, you know those those have become a lot more popular lately. We have some friends uh, here locally um, in Colorado that uh, XLR Industries they make an awesome chassis, and a few of the gun builders locally, like our uh, friends at Viking Armament, they use those chassis for for their builds. Is that something that you've always used um, it, throughout your shooting career? Is a <clears throat> chassis style rifle with a folding stock, or um, what are your thoughts on that? And it has, it seems like they're getting a lot more um, popular just because of the modularity and versatility you get out of those. Yeah, so just, just like bear in mind, I'm a military guy, right? So everything I had was a folding stock because if I have a big bolt-action rifle, I can't fight with that. That's World War One technology, right? So I'm folding the stock, I'm putting it in a backpack like a neighborly stock bag, and I'm backpacking it in, and I'm carrying the carbine to fight with, right? So, yes, everything we had was folding stock, um, very, very transportable, because when I pull that big heavy bolt gun out, that's a static position rifle, and I'm not, like, moving around the battlefield with that, right? I'm, I'm folding it, putting it in the back, and I'm carrying the carbine to maneuver with. Um, I, I, love, I love folding stocks, but, but with, a, with a hunting rifle, you need, you need a good, light stock, and, uh, it, but, but there's a... There's a downside too, right? If you get a really heavy bullet and a really light gun, that thing's going to jump all over the place. I've seen guys do that with 300 wind mags. Um, so I, I would get, but a 6.5 is not going to do that to you. A nice composite stock, uh, a good bullet, and then a, a suppressor on it if, if you're authorized to hunt with a suppressor wherever you are, or at least a good muzzle brake that, that's going to uh, mitigate that recoil. So, Kevin, on, on um, so we don't dive up dive too much into the the rifle stuff when uh, coming from you know you were just in 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 utah working with the field craft guys how much mm-hmm. uh, you're i, I should have done this earlier courses wise you're basically going to have the field craft survival north carolina d- edition offering all these different courses that's not going to be in utah you're going to be offering these in north carolina correct yes we already have some posted so I've already got the hunter prep posted. I've got a home defense course, which is basically, I, I have a training facility up the road that I use that, that they authorized me to use called Oak Grove Technologies that is only for military and police. But because there's a network in, in SF, um, I, I, I kind of got my foot in the door there. So they have, and I don't like saying CQB and I don't like saying shoot houses because I don't teach military skills. It's yeah. not to the point, but I will teach you how like the home defense course that's posted, that's going to be like half a day in the classroom and half a day in the shoot house. I have simulation guns that shoot a paint round. And obviously, if somebody breaks into your house, the smart thing to do is hunker down, cover angles, and call the police, right? But if your kids are in another part of the house, there's no parent that would not maneuver to go secure their kids, right? So I'm going to show you how to maneuver through your house with a handgun. Um safely and, and cover angles and clear rooms before you go into them and pull that gun into attention so it doesn't get snatched, stuff like that. That's a whole half a day. Um, we're going to do it as a one person and as a team maneuvering through. And we can fire in the house very safely because sim rounds are very, very safe. Um, on the other side, we're going to talk about the castle doctrine, the law, what you can and cannot do. We're going to talk about security measures. We're going to talk about security cameras. We're going to talk about weapons choices and overpenetration. You know, with a rifle versus a shotgun versus a, a handgun. Did that's, you that's say over defense. penetration? Because there's no such thing. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> double, double penetration. Well, there, is, there is if you punch through your, like, five walls with the neighbor, right? So, 
Um, the, uh, so, so we're going to talk about all those things, right? But in a very defensive mindset, right? Nothing, nothing here is offensive. Then we have, uh, we have some special operations preparation courses posted. I have a handgun course, a uh, carbine course. I have a long-range shooting class that has not posted yet, but that's going to be uh, a two-day with me, and it's going to be the first day is all classroom, and you learn to use a ballistic calculator and all that, and then the second day is going to be up Coleman's Creek, which is an LRB, which is a phenomenal range. You can check that out on, on my Instagram. Um, and then I, I'm just getting started. Like, I, like, we have so many ideas. When I say we, North, Fieldcraft North Carolina right now is me and my wife. That's it. <laughs> and we're painting walls and, and, and getting inventory and prepping classes. And, and I haven't slept in like, you know, 72 hours. But um, we're going to get there. A lot of work. Uh, but I'm going to, like, I'm not going to do all the teaching. I have a massive network of special operations guys uh, in this area that I can tap into. But, I, I mean, there's more than that. I just talked to a, a, a female who used to be in the Marine Corps who's a paramedic, and I'm going to hire her to run some, some uh, medical classes from the first aid, stop the bleed type stuff, you know. So it's about networking. It's about pulling the community together. And um, it, it's pretty exciting what we got going on here. Gotcha. So... When uh, those classes just applicable, I mean, that's for people for home safety, for hunters, for guys that just want to get their foot in the door, that want to start shooting long distance, uh, maybe compete. You know, that's very well-rounded. You, you'll be able to instruct just about anyone uh, to get going in whatever yeah. direction they want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I do a ballistics class too, Aaron, which is purely in the classroom, right? I'll bring you in. I'll talk about scent of a gun. I'll talk about scopes and how they work, guns and how they work, ballistics and rifling and all that piece. And then I'll teach you how to use a ballistic calculator. And the goal of that one was that if you want to get into this world, then get educated first, and then you'll know exactly what to buy. Oh, I know what to buy. I know what caliber I need, I know what gun, what stock, what optic, what mount. And that's, that's a whole eight-hour class, but all in the classroom. And the only thing you need to bring is basically a pen. Everything else is provided, right? I have listed calculators there that you can use. I'll show you how to use the app. It, it's, it's purely an educational class for people who don't have guns and, or maybe have guns and, and, and want to be better at it. It's funny because I start that class and I say, okay, just so I have an idea of the audience, tell me what your, your um, capability is and your experience in long-range shooting. Uh, one being like, I've never done it before, and 10 being like, I'm freaking awesome I'm a freaking Marine Corps sniper, and I've done this my whole life, right? So I go around. Most people are like, I'm a two, I'm a three. I'm a, and I had one guy say, I'm an eight. And I was like, damn, that's higher than me, you know? And I said, do you understand this is a basic course? And he was like, yeah, I've done a lot of this, you know? Well, we're like three hours into the class, and he puts his hand up, and he's like, I want to revise my number down to two. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what I thought I knew. <laughs> We, so good on him for admitting it, you know. It it actually is it's kind of crazy with some of the courses that um that I've been teaching that a lot of people didn't sign up for land nav because they wanted the advanced course, and it you know come yeah. to find out that that maybe you and my version of advanced is quite different than than others. I I think some people's idea of walking in land nav is that they own a map and they have a compass because walking is actually or crawling. That that level is fairly high. That means you you know how to do intersection and resection and route planning and, mm-hmm. and read an eight or ten digit UTM or MGRS script. I mean, there's a lot to the walk phase. The walk phase to me is before you go out and actually perform said task in the field. Yeah. Rifles is yeah, no different. The, 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 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the work phase, the land out practical application phase is difficult to do for a company because I can't give you one day of training or I could, but, um, and then launch you out into the wood on your own. Right. Um, like there, there was a kid here in North Carolina a couple of years ago, there was a selection and he was out land nabbing a bit by a snake. He sat down against a tree and died. Like it was, it was, Maybe it was like six, seven years ago. Now they have tracking vests on everybody. And I mean, I, I can't, as a company, launch you out there into a swampy area to get lost. I, I just don't have the, the, the backside support mechanism to, to, to find you, you know. But I can take you out on a train walk in groups of five with special operations guys. And I can say, after a day in the classroom, we can go out and we can go, okay, pull out your map, look at that hill, orient your map. Okay, what do you think that is? What do you, you know what I mean? That type of stuff. But I, I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I'll just give people a map and a compass and launch them into that because I, I, I just honestly, I don't want the liability. And, it would uh, be an eye-opener for them. <laughs> it would be. It would be, yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, I, I think Mike would be mad at me if I did that because <laughs> our insurance might not cover that. <laughs> Wait, one, one of the things like uh, any time with, whether it be land nav or you know, basic, you know, like you, it's not room clearing, like say it's not a kill house, but the general idea of how to go from your, in your house from room to room, clear it, make sure it's safe on the way to getting your kid or, or wh- however you want to word it. Just cause you own a gun and watched a movie, you are far away from an eight, you know, you're a 1.25, right? Mm-hmm. You're, and yeah. just because you own a compass and a GPS doesn't make you an 8 to 10 on the land navigation scale or just because you own a rifle. There's the yeah. same with archery. The, the, you're, profe- you're learning the craft, the art, the skill, meaning with archery, you can build strings, you can tune a bow, you can build arrows, you can do all mm-hmm. that. With a gun, you know ballistic coefficients, you know how to reload, you know land nav, you can read basically any map anywhere, understand scale. It takes a heavily healed individual to be skilled at all of those things, which which you are. Um, when you look at a guy with that skill set, one come to the course, two pay the fuck attention, right? Like you, you not only have learned mm-hmm. it, taught it, you've taught it to thousands of people, and and during that teaching, yeah. you've learned personalities to where you can read people on what they may learn. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a good yeller, right? I'm like, why aren't you learning this shit? I just told you, you're a little bit better <laughs> at it than I am, right? You're you're good at picking up personalities and and who, how someone might learn better than someone else. And I I've tried to, you know, impress that upon people that have asked me about some of your guys's courses. Is like he doesn't just have the knowledge; he also has the skill to teach it. There's a lot of people that have the knowledge but suck at teaching. You're very good at getting the that that info across. Yeah, I, I think the. Um so the, 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 the whole premise of Green Berets, and people don't, some people don't know this, like the whole job of a Green Beret, it's not kicking indoors and, and all, the, all this stuff, although we do all that kind of stuff, but it's actually to be a teacher. And it's to go to these foreign countries and build this indigenous army up from the ground and teach them the basic skills so we don't have to do it, right? And it's been done in a lot of places around the world, and... It, uh, it is still being done, and most people don't even know about it, right? So to be able to go in and teach a foreign army in their country, in their language, how to do all these, these skill sets, right? So it's very, very heavily uh, based in, in a teaching mindset, right? So we go to these instructor training courses and all that kind of stuff to teach you how to teach. I, I think there's a lot of guys out there 
that have the skill but can't, you know, give it to somebody else and show somebody else and can't, can't kind of give them the stuff they know they need without all the fluff, right? That like, the, like I said, the whole Coriolis thing, right? When, when you hit every target I, I give you for out to a thousand yards, let's talk about Coriolis then, right? And let's 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 bring in all these other variable things, but I I think it is it comes with time too. Like I I've been a soldier since I was eighteen, right? I'm fifty four and I just retired, and I am so broken, uh, uh, physically. <laughs> I have all kind I have all kinds of injuries, right? But I enjoy teaching. I I think a big part of being a good instructor is enjoying teaching and enjoying uh, putting that knowledge on other people. And and people have asked me, what's it like to teach civilians? after being teaching military guys for so long. And I, I, I'd rather teach civilians. Civilians are there to learn. They've paid money. They've paid good money. They're very attentive, in my experience. And they, they, they eat it all up. Army guys half the time were there because they were told they had to be there. And they're just trying to get a certificate going to the next school, right? So they're a little spoiled that way. Where civilians are like super attentive, uh, super grateful. And uh, it, it, it's been a real pleasure teaching them. But I don't BS anybody, Aaron, and it comes with maturity, right? You just ask me something I don't know, I will tell you I don't know. You want me to teach you a bow class? I'll be like, oh, hell no. I couldn't <laughs> hit Walmart with a bow, you know? <laughs> I, I, uh, and I have two torn shoulder blades. So I think, I think archery is a phenomenal skill. I would love to know it. Not for me. I don't, I, I, I'm too broken. And, uh, the, 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 but I will tell you that, right? Hey, can you teach a bow class? I'm like, hell no. I don't know anything about bows. I'd love to, but not not my skill set, you know. No, that makes that makes sense. I think that um, the the um, <clears throat> bow classes are a lot more prevalent than the other things that you're teaching. Um, it, there's a lot more info. There's a lot more people, pro shops, things like that. There's not exactly a land nav pro shop, right? It's not like you can, yeah. you know, go pay ten bucks to learn land nav, uh, where you can go in mm-hmm. and you know whatever. So, <clears throat> yeah, why it would be cool for you to shoot a bow i mean what you're offering is a skill set that not many you know many people have so you know i for mm-hmm. example um you talk about shooting and you're gonna laugh at this frank's heard this story uh because they were ryan avery the guy that went through basic training with you uh they were calling me yep. the long range miss machine now keep in mind i've been very successful with a bow and not used a gun yep, very I've much <clears throat> well mm-hmm. you're gonna laugh at this so the first go around um yeah, you know, I'm shooting a, a a rifle that the the scope had um, ten MOA per full crank, right? So one full yeah. revolution mm-hmm. was ten. And um, anyway, they they hand me a, a gun, and and again, I have not messed with ballistic turrets a whole lot. So I'm in, and I click the G7 rangefinder, and it tells me dial in whatever it was. So I'm cranking on mm-hmm. it, and uh, I shoot high more than once. Well, the, the rifle mm-hmm. I had been using was 10 MOA per full crank, and the one I currently mm-hmm. had in my hand was 12, and I didn't count. Yep. I just spun a full crank, yep. so I was... I've made all those mistakes, Eric. <laughs> I've made all those mistakes. I have. I, and worse. I've, I've made worse mistakes than that, but you know what? You'll never do that again. Well, well it got worse. You know? So I, I uh, another hunt... <laughs> They hand me. Uh, you're, are you familiar with Sean Carlock out of Idaho? He uh, made that LRKM, the long range killing machine, that bullpup 338 plus P. Anyway, mm-hmm. I had one of his no. canyon rifles. Uh, I think it was a 338 Norma. And we were, they hand, you know, I'm a walker, right? They're like, hey, so I'm going to hike up. I got a mule deer tag. And when I leave the, the wall tent, 
for whatever reason, they said, hey, make sure and zero out. Now, whether they said the elevation and windage, I don't know, but I thought they did because they had had mm-hmm. it for like 1,100-yard moose shot the day before. So I get up to my little you know, sniper's hide, and I start cranking on the elevation to zero it out. Zero's out. It's got a zero stop. So for whatever reason, I have no fucking idea, I start cranking on the windage. And after a few solid <laughs> cranks, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. There's no zero stop for windage. So now I call Avery and I'm like, hey, or no, I text and I'm like, hey, what's the zero on the windage? And he's like, the zero's the zero. And I'm like, yeah, you're not understanding the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cranked on this mm-hmm. thing like it was money clockwise. And then, of course, he texts back, you're a fucking idiot. So I'm trying to guess back. <laughs> and so I think I shot four rounds at a big mule deer, and it didn't even come remotely close. They think they said at that distance I was like 19 feet off by the time I done, done cranking it. <laughs> and just rookie mistakes, right? And you get a lot of guys that have that, um, what's that, best of the West, you know, buy this gun and this range finder and your mm-hmm. gun works. Yeah, whatever it is, you're, you're good out to 1,000. Man, that takes a lot of skill set and time. It's just not an easy button that you can hit is my my point. Um, you need yeah. to go to classes like you're teaching to be, you know, do the animal justice, right, to get out there and actually mm-hmm. be proficient uh, with what you're doing. I mean, would you suggest for a guy to order a gun and a rangefinder and head out and shoot a thousand yards with no, uh, you know, no wind call experience or anything else? Not at all. And, and, and like, you, you'll see these people on Instagram shooting a thousand, shooting a mile. Well, I can put anybody down behind a gun, dial everything for them, and all they have to do is look through the optic and pull the trigger. Well, you have no idea That's why. That's me. That's exactly me. And, <laughs> and me. I have, no interest in, I have no interest in doing that. You know, I've told people, like, I've hit a mile with my first shot. I've also dumped a case of ammo with a mile and not hit it at all because there's so many variables there, right? And the wind, and you're going left and right and up and down. The standard deviations and shot to shot with your ammo, if you don't have good ammo that, that's loaded properly, will drive you nuts at that range. It's just so many variables. So it's about the why. It's about the process and about understanding um, you know, like how this, this all comes together. Like you're taking a tiny little projectile and you're launching it for you know, 1,000 yards, 1,200, 1,400 yards, and hitting a tiny piece, piece of metal, let's say, um, that, that, there's a lot in that and, and small mistakes all, all the sniper competitions I've ever shot in my life the guy who wins makes the least number of mistakes because we all make mistakes and uh, yeah that, 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 that's been a pattern gotcha well man we're about to, to hit an hour here is there anything else you want to well one where can people find you on social mention the class again uh you know and, and kind mm-hmm. of a brief overview again of what you're going to be covering and and continue to cover uh in uh y- your section of field craft out there in north carolina yeah so the, the overarching uh website is uh com. that's where all the classes are posted my personal instagram is kevin.p.owens and uh, we have a, a Fieldcraft NC Instagram as well. It's just like Fieldcraft NC. Um, all the classes will be on, on the Fieldcraft website, but they'll also be posted on the Fieldcraft NC page. And then th- this is evolving. I just literally got the lease on the new building started two days ago, right? So I still got a bunch of classes posted, and it's evolving. So if you look at something on there and you think, oh, man, I wish you would cover this, in, in either hunter prep or home defense or anything like that, 
shoot me a DM. I'm, I'm really good at getting back with people, usually. Um, but if you're like, hey, do you think, um, you know, this happened to me outside, could you cover this, this injury or whatever that is? I'm, I'm very receptive because this is, this is being built as we go and uh, everywhere is different. So um, that, that's where you find us and we have a ton of, ton of stuff coming up. We will have some free classes if you're within driving distance of Aberdeen, North Carolina. Uh, we're going to do some free first aid classes during the week and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, lots more to come. Well, cool. Well, man, I appreciate you you coming on here. Uh, you know everything you've done for the the country. Obviously, uh, the fact that you just retired and you're how old again? Fifty four. There you go. That's a career. Hey, age is just a number, Aaron. Aaron <laughs> age is just a number. <laughs> what did uh, Indiana Jones say? It's uh, it's it's not the distance. It's the or it's not the age. It's the mileage. Yeah, something like that. It's the mileage. You've, That's- that's true. That that is true. Yeah. I can only imagine what um, your five foot seven body looked like with a hundred pound ruck. I bet you look like a ninja turtle with that ruck on your back. I used to be six. I used, I used to be six feet tall, but it's all the parachute. <laughs> <don't say>. We <laughs> five seven now. <laughs> oh well, shit. Well, well man. Yeah. Again, I appreciate uh, everything. The the partnership with Kafaro, what you're offering to the outdoor community, and and again, what you've what you've done for the well multiple countries at this point. But uh, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dee Dee told me to say, make sure to tell Aaron she said hi. So I, I got to get that in there, Aaron. Okay, yeah, Dee Dee. I called so, her a fart yeah. knocker once. She never let it go. <laughs> she's a sweetheart. She's awesome. She's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah, All right, so. guys. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, hey, enjoy your hunt. I know you're, you're headed out for a couple of weeks. Shit, we're heading out for several months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not stopping for oh, a while. Oh, so. my God. Yeah, I'll keep you. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. I'll stay tuned to your social media, man. And uh, yeah, let me ask you this one question before we go. Yeah. When you shoot, when you shoot a bow at distance, are you even aiming anymore, or is it just purely instinctual that you know how that arrow flies and you know where it's going to land? No, I'm. I'm aiming. I'm aiming. Um, there is no one that is. If you take the best uh, aimer and the best instinctual shooter. The instinctual shooter is yeah. going to lose every time, hands down. There's no really? no contest. But there has to be some instinct. There has to be some instinct there where you've shot a bow so many times. At, at closer distances, one hundred percent, I can shoot instinctually very yeah. well out to thirty. But when you're yeah. talking about fifty yeah. and sixty, you know, you're going from shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm shooting 170, 80 feet per second. So small micro mm-hmm. differences is just too great to be accurate. Now you can yeah. get a guy that'll wing one every now and then and hit what he's aiming at, but 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 I'm yeah. aiming at longer distances, closer up. I instinctu- instinctually shoot. Nice. All right, man. Go go go. Have fun, man. I'll, I'll talk to you when you get back. All right, buddy. Take it easy. See Thanks again. Okay, guys. Thanks. Bye.